This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Shot good! What can Brown do for you? Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Miller back out to Brown, three-point shot. Good! Alien Brown having himself a night. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Koenigsberg and Jake Shapiro. Welcome into the BSN Buffs Podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. Jake Shapiro, Ryan Koenigsberg, and new potter uh chase howell uh, one of our staff writers very happy to have chase here yeah he's the best howell in town in, in my opinion and uh that's well, why i, I don't know Brian's pretty good brian's pretty good i'm glad to be on thank uh, you jake already ruined his pod with a bad take yeah i mean to be honest there we missed having an eagles fan on the show <laughs> so we decided to bring in one that might actually have good takes Yes, yes. Uh, Chase is actually going to be down in San Antonio for us the entire time. I will be down there uh, basically just for the game, but uh, you're going to have to follow Chase at Sports Chase 2. Is the two. Yeah, just Sports Chase 2. Second best yeah. Sports Chase. Sports Chase 1 uh, is but a great Sports Chase. I hate to leave uh, Mike McIntyre on the line because, you know, he's had to listen to this whole thing, and that's right. We actually have special guest Mike McIntyre joining us here at the Blake Street Tavern on the phone. Uh, Mike, we're so glad to have you. And I got to say, Mike, the Jim Levitt thing, do you have any comments on it? How did it go down? How do you feel about it? Did he just hang up on us? I think he just hung up on us. Did Mike McIntyre just hang up on us? Wow. We're going to have to talk to the athletic department staff about that. I would agree. I think your line of questioning was completely fair. I was my line of question was completely <laughs> fair. You didn't do anything wrong. I did nothing wrong. You did, yeah. Usually you do do something wrong. This time you were completely in the right. But seriously, that Clay Travis thing was wild. Yeah, I mean, from the start, just really, in all seriousness, Clay Travis didn't do anything wrong, and that's where I think it's funny because Clay Travis is actually a huge douchebag, like all the time. And in this case, like, yeah, did he ask a tough question? Of course, but. Why, you know, that's a question that he had to ask uh, when you have an interview with Mike McIntyre at that time. So weird for Mike McIntyre to not just lie like everyone else does and say, you know, of course, there's some interest around, but I'm really happy at Colorado and I plan on staying here. Um, So I thought it was very odd, oddly handled on the front end of things. And then, of course, uh, to go go and, and freak out over it and send angry emails and whatnot. Just a bad look. Really. In a time where only good news is coming out about Colorado, you know, Mike McIntyre wins like 3,700 Coach of the Year awards. Uh, like only, one of their coordinators gets pulled, which, as we said last week, is not a bad look for the program. No, everything's looking good, and then, like, somehow you find a way to get bad headlines. And bad headlines are always more intriguing. So uh, thousands and thousands of people skipped over all this Mike McIntyre Coach of the Year stuff. And then they see Mike McIntyre hangs up on Clay Travis. They're like, oh, that looks interesting. And then they click it, and they're like, oh, Mike McIntyre's a douchebag. And they just move along. Yeah, and they see that, and they see the Julio Owini news, and they see all this other stuff. They're manufacturing bad I don't know, crap about them uh, in a time where there absolutely should be zero. Like, we led the podcast with it. Like, we led the podcast after they go 10-3 and three <laughs> with this. Like, come on. I mean, to our fa- to, in fairness to us, there's really not that much to talk about. 
in this time of year. So, like, thank you. No, there's a ton <laughs> of talk to, to talk about on the podcast. Like, we've got basketball updates. We've got Dominique Collier joining the show. You've got an undefeated women's basketball team. Ranked 15th in the country. Really making waves. I know Chase has a lot of takes on women's basketball. Oh, yeah. I love the women's basketball team. Do you? I mean, I've been to a couple games. I'm I, in them. I like they all. actually are enjoyable to watch. Yeah. They are more they, – and this isn't even a hot take. This is just a cool take. The women's basketball team is more enjoyable to watch right now than the men's basketball team. I have gone to several Dude. of the women's basketball games, and Kennedy Leonard is more fun to watch than anyone else that is on the, in the Colorado basketball yeah, program. I, I've always thought that it's so much fun when you have a good point guard. It's my favorite thing to watch when – there's a girl like Kennedy Leonard who can just dominate out there. Here's the thing about saying that the, women, that the women's basketball team is more entertaining than the men's team. <laughs> Literally everything in the entire world is more entertaining than watching the men's team play. Uh, I would watch – I said this on Twitter the other day. I would watch Browns-Jets Thursday night football <laughs> if it existed over watching the men's basketball team. I would legitimate, legitimately buy a play to your or a ticket to your play called Tweet <laughs> and watch you send tweets for two hours. My Broadway show that's coming out called Tweet. I don't know why I would buy a ticket to that. I just watch. You, I just watched you do that <laughs> for two hours. Tweet is going to be a Broadway hit. It's about tweeting and also birds, and it's going to sweep the nation. Well, you have someone on my side of the table that loves tweets. You have Chase, who loves birds, so definitely captivating the Is audience. Chase, a here. fellow bird lover. Well, no, he loves well, the, eagles, love the eagles. So yeah. the birds. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a bird. Where do you, and where the do flyers? They... They're also a bird, I guess. The a flyers fly. are a bird. They're mm. a fly. Yeah, yeah. They're flying birds key. are also flyers. <laughs> where do the, the eagles the rank in terms base. of birds for you? <laughs> Honestly, like I love eagles, but the eagles are so bad that they actually defame the bird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm a big fan of Bears, and I'm going to say the Chicago Bears, bad name upon the Bears. Like polar bears, grizzly bears, black bears, the bears that eat beets, Chicago Bears. Like the American Eagle Society has legitimate beef with the Philadelphia Eagles oh, for man. hurting their reputation. That is just not cool. <laughs> it can't get worse than American Eagle. I'm sorry. Uh, this segment has been brought to you by the Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, right next to the First Bank Center. With 75 Colorado craft beers on tap, they are the home for Colorado craft beer. From wheat beers to nitros to IPAs to ales, nobody does craft beer like Colorado Keg House. You can sit at their huge bar, their tables, or their lounge area, and no matter where you sit, you'll be in front of a TV with sports on. So next time you're looking for something to do or somewhere to go, go to the Colorado Keg House. Ha- God, I was so perfect. So close, so close. Colorado Keg House off Wadsworth and 36 in Broomsfield. I said Broomsfield on purpose Donald, that time. Donald I Broomsfield. did that on purpose. It's, it's, it's becoming tradition in the podcast. Just like uh, Golder, just like new opportunity for you. Throwback to boot mechanics. <laughs> I miss boot mechanics so much. Boot mechanics, come home. We need, we need that read. Uh, anyways, uh, that Mike McIntyre thing happened this week. That was a little bit crazy. But either way, uh, they've turned the corner. Uh, the team has, and instead of kind of int- focusing internally, they started to focus on Oklahoma State. Uh, they held a press conference yesterday. Today is Tuesday, so they held that press conference on Monday where they started to prepare for uh, the Alamo Bowl. You, you can tell by Mike McIntyre's opening statements in a press conference because up until – uh, Monday, they were all kind of about the team, and on Monday he came out, yeah, Oklahoma State's got a hell of a quarterback out there. Uh, mm-hmm. 
good Mike McIntyre impersonation. That was not bad. That was not bad. Um, you hear a man talk enough, and you can do his voice. But uh, what did you think about Barack Obama before the show? Your Barack Obama was a solid, like, six. Okay. Six is doable. Sixes make the world go around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, God, this <laughs> is so <laughs> off the rails already. But, you know, seriously, I, 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 I think uh, where, they're, where they're headed and where they're focused now is strictly on Oklahoma State. I really liked what Mike McIntyre said uh, on Monday where he said, uh, we need to be completely prepared to play a game, you know, by the time we head to San Antonio. We can't – we can't – uh, count on the San Antonio practices to be meaningful in any sort sort of fashion. And, and that's, I mean, you've got to... <laughs> so I can't. I did this yesterday on the podcast, too. Sorry, uh, we, we had to take a brief time out because uh, Allie found a way to derail the podcast, and uh, she's not even on it. Yeah, Allie just, like, came into the podcast and ruined everything somehow. That's not true! You can barely hear That's her. That's not true. That's a Mike Gundy sound bite. <laughs> she's a, yeah, it is a Mike Gundy sound bite. She, she's just trying to defend her uh, honor. Uh, but, yeah, w- Ryan decided it was the bright idea to FaceTime her while we were, we, we, we were podcasting. And it, uh, that's it was a why, bad idea. That's why we keep we're, – we're not able to hold it together. But uh, back to the sports takes. Yeah, what were we talking – oh, the focusing – There's a ball game. Bye, Ali. I'm muting you. Uh, focusing on – the, the practices in San Antonio compared correct, to correct. In, in how they're focusing on the Cowboys now and all that good stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, what an opportunity for the team to get these extra practices. If you think about it, if you go to a bowl game all four years of your career, that's basically a, a whole other season of practices. You had four months of practices by the end of your career. That makes a difference. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why – teams that go to bowl games every year continue to have more and more success because you're getting more time with your players uh it's actually odd that you can't have those practices when you don't make a bowl game but it's a great advantage of doing that so that's important now you got to turn that focus from getting extra practices to taking advantage of it and and trying to go win a football game and you've got a team in the cowboys to prepare for who are no slouch i realize you know you want to be playing in the rose bowl but you have a really good team in front of you and a chance to win a really big game. You know, and uh, to, to go back to your point about building a program, and the building a program thing is so important because the way they've been practicing, they've, they've actually been doing these two-hour practices over the course of the bowl season, and uh, the way this has gone is they've spent an hour practicing with the, with the, with the regular squad, the player squad, uh, the travel squad, as Mike McIntyre calls it, and then they've spent an extra hour working on the non-travel squad guys. And it's not just non-travel squad guys. Some of the younger guys like Anthony Giulamisi are involved in that and Sam Neuer and, and guys like that. But at the end of the day, they, they're spending almost two hours practicing every single day with these younger guys. And that's so important for building the, the, the program in the future. But to your point, Ryan, focusing on now, and that's what everyone wants to do, the, the way they've, they've really – they're in a good spot health-wise. And it's the first time I think Mike McIntyre's given an honest answer about Cepho Lufau's health was today, where Adam Munster-Tagger asked Mike McIntyre, is Cepho full strength? Is he practicing? And Mike McIntyre goes, huh, yeah. 
It was just like straight up, it wasn't, there wasn't any hesitation. And I'm like, all right, well, obviously they've done something. They've turned a corner where all the guys on their team are starting to get healthy. And that is a pretty scary thought because this team, when healthy, has been very good. And it's remained healthy for a large portion of the season. Yeah, you need Cepho to be healthy to win. I think we saw that with the two games against Michigan and, oh, actually three games, Michigan, USC, and then the Pac-12 championship against Washington when he was hurt a little bit. Uh, they they lose games when Cepho's not playing, and they won every game that he played when he was healthy. So it's good to get the team overall healthy so they can beat a really good team in Oklahoma State. I think so, too. And – a lot of people actually I've seen this take pop up a few places that they think you should play Steven Montez and you should be building for the future and get him experience in a big game. And that is just so absolutely idiotic. Uh, this is another one of those cases. If you said that, you can't at me anymore. Uh, because these like that would be the most ridiculous thing of all time. These guys spent four years building the program back to a point where they could get to a bowl game. If you were to take that opportunity away from a guy like Sefa Lufau and say, hey, thanks for getting us here. Have fun, uh, you know, sitting on the bench while we move on to the future. You, like go prep you for the Senior Bowl these, next yeah, week. You have yeah. to let these guys enjoy the fruits of their labor. So that's maybe the worst take you could have. I'm going to defend that take for this reason, and, and, and not because I agree with it because I strictly don't agree with it. And I do believe that a bowl game is part of the season in college football. I think it's part of the season – um, I understand what Christian McCaffrey and Leonard, Leonard Fournette did. And I think we should get into that. And I think we should too, but I, I want to preface that with this and saying there are a lot of people that think in college football now, especially with the playoff, unless you're one of those four teams, all these games don't matter. And to, to a certain extent, I agree with you. These are exhibition games. They've always meant to be exhibition games, but it's part of college football's history and pageantry that you play these bowl games, you know, down to the to this Boca Raton Bowl that we're playing tonight, whatever, you know, that's whatever. But this is one of the major bowls, one of the major 20 bowls, the Alamo Bowl is. And so is the Sun Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the ones that, uh, that McCaffrey and Fournette are sitting out of. I don't know which one Fournette's sitting out of. I know McCaffrey's sitting out of the Sun Bowl. And that's, pr that's a, a historic bowl as well. It's been around for a long time. Uh, but in terms of playing Steven Montez in a game, the reason why I could defend it is if you come from the background of saying these games are pure exhibition, I look at it like another spring game, then okay, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't understand that point of view in the first place. But if you do have that point of view, I get where you're coming from. It's like, it's like no, it's just stupidity. Oh, it is. It's, it's brilliant stupidity. It's like saying, well, I understand if you hate this group of people, if you're intolerant, but I just don't understand why you're intolerant. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to go into that one, but yeah. Uh, but I, I, I want you, I, I guess. I think we should touch on yeah, the McCaffrey and Fournette thing because there's been a lot of different takes. For me, I don't understand how you can blame a guy for that because you look at the case – of a Christian McCaffrey and a Leonard Fournette. You're talking about first-round picks, bona fide first-round picks in most cases. So without that, you're maybe get, you maybe have a case. Uh, I forget the name of the guy today who pulled out of his bowl game. Oh, from, uh, uh, from Baylor, their running back pulled out. Like, I don't necessarily know if he has the right to do that, but I'm not going to say he doesn't. Guys like Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, why – would I expect them to put more toll on their body, take another chance of getting risk? Anything that could 
potentially put their career in jeopardy. When in my in my uh, eyes, if you have to play that third year and you're already a bona fide first round pick, I say don't even play the third year. Period. So I think they did their schools a favor by even being on campus this year. Because if I was in their in, in their shoes, I wouldn't be. Right. It matters how much you value the NFL. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. So last year I watched Jalen Smith get injured in the bowl game against Ohio State, and he was a bona fide first-round pick, probably top ten had he not got hurt. And I watched him get hurt and went in the second round and was out this whole season, and now his NFL future could be in jeopardy with how good the Dallas Cowboys have been playing. I think with, uh, Joel Klatt summed it up perfectly today with his tweet. Coach demands extension and dollars or will leave business. Big 12 demands ransom from ESPN and Fox business. McCaffrey and Fournette, selfish. I mean, he was, that's, and then he said straight in my head, but that's the perfect summary of it. And how many coaches, Jim Levitt, one of them, leave before the bowl game to go on to their next point of their careers? You know, it, it depends on how you look at college football, and people look at college football differently, whether it's, it's you should be all there, there all four years, you should graduate, you should do all these things. But the reality of the situation is the, they're athlete students, not student athletes. The athletics come first to all of these guys, yep. and it's a business to them too. It's not just a business to the coaches. As much as you see all the guys tweeting after Levitt leaves, shaking my head at the business or whatever, it's a business to them too. All of these guys want to go to the NFL, and they're going to do whatever they can to get to the NFL and further their draft stock or any of those different things. So, It's like if I say to you, Jake, you can have whatever your dream job is in journalism, but if you write one bad story between now and when you start that job, you're going to lose that job. You're just going to not write any stories. Right. And so, to me, there's no point in taking that risk if you're those players. And, and it's honestly ridiculous for people to call them selfish for something like that. This segment has been brought to you by the Colorado Safe Outlet, the largest selection of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes that don't suit your needs. Instead, come to the Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need. No more and no less. Once you pick the perfect safe, they'll deliver it to your home fast and easy. Check them out online at coloradosafeoutlet.com or visit one of their two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. Well, we kind of went off the rails a little bit again, shocker, but... To get back to uh, the Colorado Buffaloes matchup in the Alamo Dome again in the, the Alamo Bowl <laughs> against the Oklahoma State, no, the, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State Cowboys. Oklahoma State. Lot of lot of W's there. The Buffs got a lot of the W's. Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado Woe Buffaloes. Uh, Oklahoma State bolsters a very, very good offense, a very good passing attack. Mike McIntyre compared them to kind of a combination between Washington State and Oregon earlier this week. They were the ninth-ranked passing offense led by quarterback Mason Rudolph, who is a heck of a quarterback. In fact, uh, Chase just told me that he was the third-ranked quarterback on pro football focus this year. Who was who on that list, Chase? Who was he in front of and who was he behind? Um, well, the most recent one had the three Heisman, the three guys that took the trip to New York, uh, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson ahead of him, and then Mason Rudolph was fourth right behind him. So above Jake Browning still. Yep, so above the, Jake Browning, above Patrick Mahomes, Greg Ward. Luke Falk. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is, and pro football focus is saying, is that Mason Rudolph will be the best quarterback Colorado faces this season, uh, which – It's hard to believe that to me that he's better than Luke Falk, but I guess we'll see. I mean, Luke – and still, I'm still shocked at how – 
good the defense played against Luke Falk. That was, that was unbelievable. They held Luke Falk to 48% passing. Uh, and I, I, that, that performance by the defense uh, was one of the many that I won't forget this season. Uh, one of the big things about Oklahoma State as, as well is they are very, very good in the uh, turnover margin. Uh, they were tied for ninth in the nation with uh, plus uh, .83 turnovers a game, which is actually better than Colorado, who is plus .54 turnovers a game. So that's something to look out for uh, as well. Mike McIntyre definitely uh, was wary of that as he talked about Oklahoma State a little bit this week. And, you know, to, to kind of go on top of that, uh, not only does Colorado – lose their defensive coordinator who was so notable for forcing all those turnovers but on the offensive side of the ball uh they've had some turnover issues as of the last few games and you know ever since Cepho Lufau's initial injury we just talked about how he looked healthy but ever since the Cepho Lufau's initial injury he's never and the offense has never really looked to the level of competence that they looked initially yeah I think that's it's been like you said, ever since Michigan, and they never really got back on that train that they were on where all of a sudden it looked like they were going to have a dominant offense and dominant defense. We got into a point in that middle of that season where it was like, oh, man, when is the offense and defense ever going to click during the same game? And I don't think it ever really did ever again. Um, Maybe the Arizona State game, but that was more the rushing attack and not Cepho. True, true. So it seems like they've been – fighting to get back to a rhythm that was broken really when they had to have the quarterback mix up and, and all that kind of went down uh, between, you know, weeks three and, and five. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to top that offensive performance, uh, what I will say is the offensive line looks a lot healthier from what I've heard coming out of practice. Uh, they were playing a little bit banged up as to be expected week 13 into the season. Bryce Bobo who, of course, play, missed the second-to-last game and was struggling in that last game with an ankle injury. Uh, he looks healthy. So the Buffs come into this game almost completely healthy, minus their starting kicker, Diego Gonzalez, and outside linebacker, Derek McCartney. Uh, will this be the game that Colorado loses due to kicking, uh, like we've been saying all year long no, on the just podcast? Just you said that. Just uh, you said that. Yes, just me on the podcast all year long. Uh, maybe it is, but... I still don't trust Colorado's kickers and punters, and I think uh, Oklahoma State definitely has a clear advantage there. Uh, and we're going to have a full preview next week. I just kind of wanted to run through it a little bit because Colorado started to focus on Oklahoma State, so I thought we should too. But We've got Allie chiming in on the podcast. She tweets at us, FaceTiming the guys as they record the BSN Buffs podcast. I'm muted, but I have many takes, which gave me the idea, like, how dope would it be if we could mute Allie when she was actually on the podcast? <laughs> like, we, we could just use the mute button that you have on your computer, but, like, in person. It it's just like, works. It's yeah. like the movie Click, which <laughs> has made every grown man cry, I think. I cried in Click. I cried in Click, too. Uh, <laughs> God, I, that movie, man. Uh, but What other movies have you cried in? What other movies have I cried in? Uh, well, my first date was I Am Legend. My first date ever, I took a girl to see I Am Legend with me. The, the dog dying had me bawling. Is that a Will Smith? That was the Will Smith thriller where it's post-apocalyptic New York. Uh, and, like, that was, like, two weeks after he did iRobot. Right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> completely different movies. 
And like, I'm pretty sure he had that one where he was like the love doctor in there as well, like within another two weeks with Kevin James. Uh, Garden State got me balling before. Uh, that Zach Braff really hits it home with his line about not knowing, you know, always trying to find home. Uh, Chase, you got any criers? I was trying to think. I don't think so. Um, nothing off the top of my head. Oh, you know, the what was that movie where the dogs were living in Alaska? Uh, you guys see it? I don't know, but there was dogs, so I probably cried. <laughs> yeah, well, they all died, and it was really sad. I think that's the one that I cried in. If Ryan tried to list the movies he'd cry in, we would be, we, this would be an hour and a half long podcast. We could do a whole podcast titled Movies Ryan Has Cried In. Like in the last week. Yeah. Actually, I haven't watched any movies in the last week, but if I had, I probably would have cried. cried. Yeah. <laughs> all, like all 30 for 30s I cry in. Yeah, I'm not to that level. I think the only 30 for 30 that had me was like emotionally like just charged. Like I wasn't crying, but the Reggie Miller one like got me like standing and cheering like, like let's go Reggie. Like let's go. Like I was like the biggest Reggie Miller fan all of a sudden. I loved Reggie Miller. Um I like I think if there was like a vine that was emotional enough, it could make me cry in 6 seconds. <laughs> Yes, I've if seen. If you've seen an emotional vine set tweeted at me, we'll see if I'll start crying. The, I'm surprised the the vine of the dad and the son playing the drums uh, off the that whatever his name is on Buff's Twitter always tweets out Eric. I think uh, they're playing uh, in the kitchen. They're slamming the oven doors back and <laughs> forth. You know what I'm talking about? No. That vine, and it makes the do 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 do, and it's like this really like cool bonding moment between son and father. If you see that, you might cry. <laughs> it's like so not an emotional vine. I'm just very in touch with my emotional side. Uh, speaking of being in touch with something, uh, we are very in touch with, this, with the side of us that allows us to make puns. Uh, Ali Monroy, on the other hand, hates that. Unless you check Twitter right now, where one of her most recent tweets, uh, where she also chimed in. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a lot of notifications right now. Wow, did you hear what this kid just said? <laughs> <laughs> I sh- yeah, actually missing the puns a little bit all the way from D.C. So in honor of Allie, we're going to go all puns for this one. Uh, the Alamo Dome, uh, San- we did San Antonio Woe last we week. Yes, yes. We're going to do Alamo Woe. Alamo Woe. Uh, Ryan, do you have any Alamo Woe facts for us? Uh, Alamo Woe, located in San Antonio Woe, the Alamo Woe Duome, was built in hopes of one day being the home to an NFL team. However... After being open for more than a decade, the city just still does not have a team. The Alamo Dome, speaking of Alamo, is home to the UTSA Roadrunners. It's obviously in San Antonio, as we mentioned. Cost? Got any guesses? Well, I'm on the Wikipedia page, so all I have to do is scroll up. But I'm going to say 700 700 wows. Mills, I don't know. No, 186 million. Nice, nice cheap stadium wow. out there. 1993, right before the construction costs really hit. Uh, Alamo, it actually hosts American football, baseball, Canadian football, basketball, ice hockey, boxing, and concerts. Uh, the baseball dimensions, uh, the baseball field was used as recently as a few years ago when the, the Rangers and the Astros played a exhibition game there at the Alamo Dome. Alamo for football. The stadium has a capacity of 66,000. For basketball, though, 
Only 20,000. Al Alum, no. Alum, oh, no. Uh, Alum, whoa. They've hosted the uh, They've actually hosted a few different uh, uh, pro professional football teams despite never having an NFL team. They were the temporary home for the Saints after this, the displacement after Hurricane Katrina. They hosted the San Antonio Talons, which was an arena football league team, uh, which is weird because they were playing arena football because it's an indoor facility, but the facility also hosts regular football. So that one's a weird one. Uh, and they also hosted the San Antonio Texans of the Canadian Football League when they made a brief expansion into uh, America. Hold the phone. <laughs> the CFL expanded into America? Yeah, how many years do you think that lasted? One. <laughs> One year. 1995, baby, the year I was born. Uh, the U.S. expansion, well, I think it actually happened 93 to 95, but it really only lasted one year. Uh, the Canadian Football League expanded into many different uh, U.S. cities. Uh, Las Vegas, Sacramento, Shreveport, Birmingham, Memphis, Baltimore. Fun fact, Shreveport is the last place the Buffaloes played a bowl game. And a, a woe game. Yes. Um, so as we can see here, 1995 confirmed trash. I think that was also the year Ali was born. Here with Dom Collier in the Coors Event Center. Dom, you just came back from your injury last night. How did it feel to get back out there on the court? Uh, felt good to be back out on the court with uh, my brothers. And uh, just looking forward to um, practice tomorrow and then the game Thursday. You know, you said last night that you were having some problems with endurance, just trying to get back in the flow of things. How hard is it to go from, you know, basically six weeks of not playing to jump right back into it? And what do you have to do to kind of get to the level where you, you need to be at? Uh, yeah. Pretty difficult to just uh, sit out for so long and then jump right back in. But uh, I just get through it by conditioning and uh, going through practice hard and to get back in shape. Uh, you know, you mentioned Dollar last night that uh, as a team, you guys are struggling. Uh, George talked about it. Wes talked about it. You, you know, you're nine and three, and Tad even said there's two ways about looking at this. You know, they haven't played up to your capabilities, which in a way is encouraging, but it's also disheartening. And kind of, what are your feelings about that? Uh, yeah, it is discouraging, and but uh, we know we can play so much better. And then we need we need to definitely play so much better by the time conference play hits. And then we all know that, and uh, I think we're aware of that. So uh, we just have to pick it up and uh, show it in the game Thursday, and then hopefully it translates into next year. Is there part of it that's like maybe if we just go out and don't think about basketball for two days over winter break, you know, maybe we'll come back together really loose or something like that? Or is there a different way of attacking it that you're trying to do that you come back out full force? I think people go home and attack it differently, but when we come back, we have to have a collective uh, effort to play a full 40 minutes of basketball. And uh, we all know that uh, to beat the good team in our, in our league, that we're going to have to put a full, a full 40 minutes of basketball together. Uh, to win, to win those games against the good teams early. You were a guy that started every game but one last year, and this year it looks like you're kind of coming off the bench or you're tapped to uh, as the season goes along. How do you make that transition as a basketball player? Because I've watched you play all throughout high school. You've always been a starter. You know, Is, it, is there a different mentality, or is, does it affect the way you play at all? Oh, no, not at all. Just uh, 
when just when I get out there, just make my time count, no matter from starting, no matter from coming off the bench. Just uh, make my time count when I'm out there by doing something productive, whether it's uh, defense, uh, getting our offense together, making shots, whatever it is, just do something while I'm out there, uh, just being productive, whether I'm starting or coming off the bench. Even though you haven't really played much this year, three games, like two and a half games, really. Uh, you add a three-point shot that has been kind of struggling a little bit on this team. Is that something you can come back and say, hey, even if my ankle's not 100%, even if my endurance isn't 100%, I can still sit there, out there and hit threes because I know we're struggling a little bit? Oh, yeah. The coaches and my teammates tell me just to be aggressive on offense and have my feet ready uh, on, the, on the perimeter and just be ready to just shoot when uh, the big men have it inside or when they're penetrating. Or just, be, just really just be aggressive. What can you do defensively? Because in the last few years, one of the maybe downfalls of the team was perimeter defense, and uh, that seems to be maybe not still up to where you guys want it to be. What can you do? Because that seems to be a big question with this team right now. Uh, I think it's just taking it, taking it personal, uh, taking it personal, uh, having a man, uh, having a man beat you. I mean, it's just it, can, it all comes down to heart. It's not. Uh, there's not any skill you need to have to really be a defender. It just comes out to heart. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Well, if you've got to find a place to pregame, you got to go down to the Clock Tower Grill. Uh, all those good 1995ers are down there celebrating their 21st birthdays and such. Uh, if you're going downtown to watch a Nuggets or Avs game, stop off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station. You need to get off at the Clock Tower Grill to get your pregame on. They've got $3 Long Islands on Monday, 75-cent wings on Wednesdays, and $3 shots on Friday. There's no better place to start your event than the Clock Tower Grill. Remember, go to Clock Tower right before jumping on that light rail and head downtown. Go to Clock Tower, then head downtown, is I think what it was meant to say. Uh, these reads were not written by writers, and so they're kind of hard to read sometimes. Uh, boss. Don't blame the read writers. <laughs> blame the reader, not the read writers. <laughs> I'm a read writer. You're not a, you haven't written any of these. Have I you written? books. You're smart and good. <laughs> Uh, we have to get along to basketball. We haven't talked about hoops at all on this podcast. They've improved to 9-3. and three. Uh, Excuse improved. me while I take a nap. <laughs> uh, yes, improved uh, in quotation marks. I think Ryan can take the rest of the podcast off because Chase is the only one that actually cares about this team, I think. He's really chasing the story out there. I'm just enjoying my freshman year as a Buffalo's basketball fan. I haven't gotten to experience it. Got a great experience with football, but... Yeah, it's been rough. The last few games have been really rough. The one game that they've played that was good was against Xavier, and we have not seen that team. We didn't see that team before that game. We haven't seen that team since. I don't know what's going on. Uh, they don't care. That's what's going on, and that's been pretty obvious. Why should anyone else, you know? Yeah. Right, and you were saying this to me uh, off the podcast this weekend. Off the record. No, I'm just kidding. Well, No. Because you just said it. If they don't care, why should anyone out? Why should any of the fans care? Uh, and, and that's a really good point because they don't come to play all the time, and, and that's clearly obvious. They even admit it. Uh, if you haven't read my column, which was uh, dropped this morning, on their inabilities as a basketball team, it's a must-read. It's probably the most insightful thing uh, that has been written about what's going on inside that locker room. Uh, definitely on our site, I can say, because we have had a hard time writing about basketball because no one will click on it. Uh, so We don't write for the clicks, baby. We write for the passion. 
If we were writing for The Passion, Chase would be writing about women's basketball and Kennedy Leonard. Yep. I he do should. like Kennedy Leonard. Write about it. We write for The Passion apparently now. We're soul skaters. We're soul skaters. I think, speaking of which, you know how we were talking about the Flyers earlier. The Flyers, the, their actual name origin was the person who came up with the name for the Flyers was watching a rec skate, and he thought, oh, they're watching fly- a what? Like a rec skate, like a recreational skate. Oh, okay. And he goes, these people are flying around the <laughs> rink, and that's how the Flyers got their name. It's a pretty, really bad way to get your name. I forgot yeah, but how we. It's a great name. Is there a better name in sports than the Flyers? Philadelphia Flyers? I would say it goes the, together uh, so well. That. Uh, basketball team up in Dayton has a better name. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. The Dayton Flyers. <laughs> the Dayton Flyers. Oh, oh, got you. Well, it doesn't have the alliteration, and you know I like the alliteration. Uh, but, yeah, this basketball team is about everything that's gone uh, could go wrong with it has gone wrong so far. Uh, and they still got a good record. They're 9-3, and three and their only bad loss was to Colorado State, which ends up looking worse and worse every single week. But... I will say that they definitely have the capabilities to, to do all the things that we've been saying that they could do. It's just a matter of whether they can get their act together. And, and a guy that we've praised a lot on this podcast, I think, deserves some blame in Derek White. Uh, it just He doesn't look like he gets it together all the time. And I don't want to say he takes games off, but it, it almost gets to that point where it just looks like he doesn't show up on certain nights or he doesn't bring that same aggressive edge that he brings on other nights. But you look at the game he had. Uh, against Xavier, and you compare that to the game he had uh, against Fort Hayes State, and Derek White's a completely different what player. You could say, Ryan, it's black and white. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I think I love Derek, and I think everyone knows that. He seems hesitant. Are you going to do the fake SNL Stephen, Stephen A. Smith? I have taken on many dinners. <laughs> we had our firstborn child together. Me and Derek White. Have a very close relationship. No, I mean... <clears throat> but you actually do. <laughs> I think Derek's great. He's having an issue right now. Really, I feel like he's hesitating to take over games. And I was giving him a break early in the season because I think it's tough for anyone to kind of make that transition and all of a sudden just be the guy. I think he was trying to see, like, okay, how, where do I fit in here? But he is the guy. Yeah. And he needs to be the guy every night. And also... He needs to stay away from the fouls. Yeah, I'm not sure if he understands that he has to be the guy. I mean, there isn't another one that's going to step up, and every time that Derek White has stepped up in a game, they've done well. Look at what happened in Xavier. But George King's not going to be the guy, clearly. That guy doesn't want to play most of the games. Josh Fortune's not going to be the guy. Well, I Derek think White, King has trouble. He play, If you look at his overall games, he plays, but from half to half. Yeah. Like George didn't show up in the first half of last night against Air Force, but he showed up in the second half. It's all so lackadaisical. Like, that's all I see from them. That's is the word George even used to describe them. Yeah. It's like they're just kind of out there. They're just playing. Going through the motions. There's no edge to them. I don't feel like they feel, I don't feel like anyone feels like they have something to prove. They're just out there. And I can imagine, you know, Jake, I think you and I were talking about this last weekend. It's very easy for me, especially in basketball, to be able to tell if the coach or the players is the problem. And to me, this is as clear as day that it's a, the players are the problem. Tad is doing everything he knows and everything he can to try and get these guys to care more. And it's just not working. And I don't think that's on him. I think that's on them. And 
Tad shouldn't even have to be breaking out every philosophy he's ever heard as a basketball coach because, once again, this team has four fifth-year seniors and a fourth-year junior. It shouldn't take Tad Boyle's entire coaching book to be thrown at this team to figure out how the hell they should play basketball. These guys have been playing basketball, some of them, for 20 years. Yeah, right. it, 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 none, of, it, none of it really makes any sense, and I would play the George King quote here if it had good audio from what he told me last night after the game exclusively. But basically what he, I, I asked Shap him. exclusive. Shap, BSN exclusive. Yeah. He did drop my name. It's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> it still uh, remains Rick George the only person to drop my name in a quote. Uh, but what George King, not Rick George, Rick George King. That should be a meme. Yes. Uh, what George King said to me last night, I asked him if it's just a matter of them flipping switches and they feel like they can flip the rebounding switch on tonight and they could take care of that and, or they could just flip on their entire game tonight and it'll work. And he's like, basically, yeah. But we know we have to turn all of our f- switches on. And he, I'm like, so how do you do that? And it was one of the same answers he gave me before, which is I just I don't know. Uh, we need to be more aggressive. We need to attack it. We need to come together as a te- team. We need to play smart. And they aren't getting all of the facets and everything going at once. And the strange thing to me, and, and this is a good theory about college basketball, is you play about 30 games a year, right? 20 of them are going to be average. Five of them you're going to play great. Five of them you're going to play terrible. The Xavier game might be one of their five, one of their five great games by the end of the year, which means the rest of what we've seen here besides Colorado State, because I'm going to say that's going to be one of their worst games, and maybe Fort Hayes State as well, is the median. And the median is really, really bad with this team as well. And that's extremely disappointing considering the talent, considering where this program is, considering where this program should be. Even Tad Boyle knows this. This is no secret. I'm not breaking uh, breaking any ground by saying this team is extremely disappointing right now as we sit here today on December 20th. Yeah, uh, Tad even said it yesterday. I think he said the exact words. They're disappointing. I'm disappointed in them. Um, I remember writing after they lost to CSU, my first line was, this Colorado Buffalo's disappointed tonight. I think that's a good way to wrap up the season. They've been disappointing. And the worst thing about it is not only are they disappointing, they're boring. They're not playing a good brand of basketball. They're not doing anything exciting. It's just like why I said it last week on the podcast, and it still holds true. Every time I watch them, I end up being like tired after I like. It's like exhausting to watch them try and play basketball. Like the football team, it's like need to go outside and have a smoke, like kind it's of like thing. It's like exhilarating. But like yeah. the basketball team, it's like oh my god, like, like I need a cold shower to calm mm-hmm. down. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's so weird because looking at this team last year and looking at it this year. Non-conference record, basically the exact same. Uh, struggled a little bit at times, but the attitude on December 20th last year compared to what we are today, 180. And, I mean, part of that was the year before that, but still, last year they were exciting as heck. They were as exciting as all could be. Gosh, they were so exciting. Shut <laughs> up. But you don't, you, you don't love a man that loves to cuss? They're, <laughs> they're extremely exciting as heck last season but you know for real and, and then this year it, and they may be the most boring star in the history of Colorado basketball last year in Josh Scott there's no reason that this team should be not exciting Wesley Gordon can be an exciting player at times George King is an exciting player 
Derek White can be an exciting player. It's hard to get excited about players that don't get excited themselves. Like, where does win is West can't really be excited. Like, West block gets a lot of blocks, and I think that's one of the more exciting plays in basketball. But he does it in, like, the most boring way he ever. He keeps them in bounce. Well, that's a good thing. Sometimes he, like, like last night there was twice that he blocked someone, and I was just like, just grab the ball. Like, why? You need to do the Dwight Howard two-handed block where you just catch it. But I think they uh, – between Wes, George – I mean, George doesn't really show him that much passion on the court. Derek's a pretty even-keeled the, basketball player. They have XJ. Player. I know, and XJ is like – truly, XJ has been the most exciting, most entertaining, maybe best player for them this year other than Derek White, who's kind of been the stat sheet stuffer. Ooh, that's a mouthful. But it's – interesting to just see that this team doesn't i mean josh fortune another guy who's kind of boring if you look at you know when you really look at the down on paper there's not that much excitement on the roster i mean yeah josh scott his game wasn't above the rim or flashy or anything like that but he brought excitement to the floor you know he's double fist pumping after and ones and stuff like that this team doesn't have any of that yeah it doesn't even have enough larry bird squad members to get something going on the bench in terms of excitement Brett Brady would be the most exciting player on this team, my call. I miss Brett Brady. Why do you have to transfer? Brett, come back. Where <laughs> is he? He's uh, at Colorado Christian. Can we get some stats on that? Yeah. What's my dude Brett Brady doing? <laughs> I don't know, but he's not doing as well as Deshaun Schwartz. Deshaun Schwartz is putting up numbers. Hanukkah's right coming now. up for him, too. Deshaun Schwartz. Do you, do you think Deshaun Schwartz is Jewish? I don't know. I just like Schwartz is a pretty Jewy name. Yeah, that's why I, that's I why think I Brett Brady's him. Jewish. No, he's extremely Christian. Oh, really? Yes, he goes to Colorado Christian. They were really religious. Oh, that makes sense. How many Jews do you know that are extremely religious? (laughs) None. Exactly. That's true. It's more of a cultural identity. (laughs) Uh, We're getting there, folks. We're getting getting there. there. Brett Brady is averaging 15 points per game for Mm -hmm. Colorado Christian. Are they D2? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he's Nobody comes to this for facts. Forty-four percent from three. Yep. <laughs> he's actually attempted a lot of non-threes. He's attempted thirty-six twos and thirty-six threes. I would expect him to be just all threes. I would. I want find me where I'm going to look up this schedule. The next time they're anywhere near us, I'm going to it. Where's Colorado Christian? Aurora, I'm pretty sure. Really? I yeah. live right by there. Pretty sure it's in Aurora. They're really getting the news the out there. Lakewood Event Center. No, wait. The CCU Event Center in Lakewood. Oh, Lakewood. You live right there. No, I don't. But that's where my barbershop is. Yeah. Uh, well, the song playing in the background right now at the Blake Street Tavern is one of my favorite songs of 2016. And next week we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments of 2016, Colorado Buffaloes related and not. It'll be the last podcast of 2016. Uh, we will get the full bowl preview for the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Chase is going to be in San Antonio. I'll be leaving for San Antonio the next day. So that'll be posted early. We're going to get that out, I think, Tuesday morning next week. So stay tuned for that. Ryan and I will be at the Blake Street Tavern Monday night doing that podcast. If you want to know what I'm doing on New Year's Eve, folks, I'm going to watch Colorado Christian take on Black Hill State at the Colorado Christian University Event Center. And if you want to know what I'm doing after, 
head to Life Flower Dispensary in Glendale, <laughs> just south of Denver. It serves medical and recreational marijuana till midnight. They are a one-stop shop, and that's perfect because midnight, New Year's Eve, head to Life Flower. One-stop shop, and they Someone have something. tells some me they won't be open that <laughs> They have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker, prefer prefer to use tropical treatments for severe pain. Tropical Life treatments? <laughs> We're using palm trees? Life Flower carries a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flowers, and they carry glass too. Check out their menu at weedmaps.com for specific strains and price details. Or just show up to Life Flower off of Weedsdale. That is it for the BSN Buffs podcast. Chase Hall, Ryan Koningsberg, Jake Shapiro. Uh, follow Chase on Twitter at SportsChase2. Yes, he will please. be in San Antonio uh, bringing you coverage for BSN Buffs. Uh, I will be there. There's a 50-50 chance that Ryan will be there, uh, depending on uh, just kind of some things. Uh, and so just stay tuned. We'll have full coverage. Sam just Weaver will be there as well. Chase around. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, so stay tuned, and we'll have some great stuff for you. And like I said, early podcast next, next week, so stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed whatever you just listened to, uh, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>